Hi, I'm Ari Lewis, the host of Mastering the Attention Economy podcast presented by Brand Street. Brand Street is a community of operators building brands through creative, unpaid marketing and media. Each week, I interview founders, operators, and creators to learn how they are earning attention for their brands without paying for it. If you want to learn more about Brand Street, visit brandstreet.co. If you use the code Lewis, L-E-W-I-S, you'll receive 20% off a yearly subscription to the community. This week's guest is Victoria Waters. Victoria is VP of Marketing at Galaxy Fund Management. In this episode, we discuss her father's rise to fame on TikTok, marketing complex products, and brand strategy for crypto companies. I hope you enjoy this episode. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So, you know, I actually, I didn't want to focus on you for the first question. I actually wanted to focus on your dad for the first question. So you recently tweeted about your dad becoming a TikTok influencer and you've been helping him out um, build that account. Can you just talk about how that happened and what, what he's uh, TikToking about? <laughs> sure. So I am basically the daughter of a dad influencer. My 78-year-old dad has almost 50,000 followers on TikTok, um, over, well over a million views of his videos. And he's really setting out to be this beacon of advice for Gen Z all things self-development. And it's under this internet dad persona. And I think he really is jazzed about having TikTok as a platform to reach the younger generations. Um, So we started out on YouTube, but I really found helping him there that it wasn't the reach unless you're really ready to commit full time to being a YouTuber. Um, So of course, decided to test and learn on TikTok and got a bit of the formula down and he went viral over Christmas break. Um, And he's just so jazzed. He has his first brand deal. He's really reignited his sense of purpose. Um, So I do think it's funny that I am 50 years younger than my dad, but he has many more followers than I do at this point. So, you know, I I still want to focus on this for for a few questions, but, um, you know, what have you learned from the process of TikTok? Like, do you think, you know, this is it? TikTok is really going to be this next major social media platform? Do you think it's a fad? You know, and it's so interesting too, because I use TikTok and have started producing more and more content on it and I'm really bullish on it. But I think there's this misconception about it being for Gen Z only. You know, have you found that to be true? Do you see your dad interacting with all types of people and just, yeah, just in general, like what are your thoughts on the platform as it pertains to, you know, the, the future of like marketers and, and people who are trying to acquire customers? I'm extremely bullish on the future of TikTok. And contrary to what many people seem to think, I don't think it's just for Gen Z. I think that when you hop on TikTok for the first time as a user and the algorithm doesn't know you yet, you do get a lot of that mass appeal, dancing videos, things that you think, this is not interesting to me at all. But the beauty of TikTok to me is the sophistication of their algorithm to the point where it's almost scary how quickly they found out my niche interests and things that I didn't even know I would be interested in, they almost predicted for me. So I think you've got to input a few hours as a user engage with the algorithm, have them get to know you, and then that's where it becomes interesting for you as a user. As a creator, um, I think it is 
the best platform for being discovered um, as a new person. And I think that TikTok was smart to focus on that discoverability and really put creators in front of an audience and, and kind of have a more meritocracy oriented algorithm um, with their batching approach. And I, it's hard to guess what's behind the algorithm, but you can, you can search that and learn more about that. Um, and I think that's in part what, what helped my dad become so popular on that platform so quickly. Um, and from a content perspective, I think it's really about capitalizing on the short attention span. Um, and again, I think that's what brings, brings it back to, oh, this is for Gen Z only. But I think given where we are in our relationship with digital media, attention spans are shorter than ever. And I think that's true across age groups. Um, so in terms of content creation, I think it's really about having that hook within the first two seconds. Um, it's about engaging different senses with captions on screen, as well as audio, as well as the soundtrack. Um, so it's just a lot more of a dynamic platform. And I think if you make use of all the features and you hook people with those short attention spans, you can really succeed. So, you know, the lessons you've learned from uh, operating on, t on TikTok with your father, do you, do you see these lessons, I guess, how are these lessons helping you play out in your um, your, 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 your actual job of, of, you know, of, of, of being a, a, a marketing person at a, a large, uh, you know, asset management firm has, has this drastically changed how you think about, um, the funnel and acquiring, you know, customers is, has it made subtle changes, you know, I guess what, what have been some of the lessons and how has that changed your job both? strategically and, and tactically in terms of, of what, how you're doing things? It's a great question. And I never thought I would be discussing how my dad's internet fame has informed my work as a cryptocurrency marketer. This seems like a very um, odd conversation I wouldn't picture having five years ago. Um, but I think, I think what this platform and all new platforms really drives home for me is, is how quickly media is changing um, but there are still the principles that stay the same. So I think identifying your audience's problems, fears, frustrations, and then very quickly being able to illustrate that you have the information, the content, the products to help alleviate those pain points. Um, I think that will stay true forever, no matter what media tools you have at your disposal. So in terms of what TikTok has driven home for me and my in my actual career is really just the importance of that hook um, and the beauty of brevity. And, and it is hard to condense um, lots of information, especially in the crypto space into something short and digestible. But I think that time up front to be as concise and simple as possible is what helps you win in terms of um, building an audience in the long term. So, you know, I think that's interesting because you talked about conciseness and really being straightforward in you know how you're delivering content, but how do you do that in an industry such as yours? Because you know, I you know I've been in crypto a while and I've, I've watched the the industry evolve, and I feel like it to the layperson. And I remember being introduced to like Ethereum, for example, and it was so complex. And when when I, I was introduced to it, they were talking 
about um, just concepts like, like initial coin offerings and tokenization. And well, obviously ICOs don't really happen anymore, but more tokenization. And I, I feel like that was a concept that was just so foreign to me and it was so complex. And, you know, for you all at Galaxy, when you're talking about Bitcoin, you're talking about Ethereum and you're talking about other cryptocurrencies or blockchain, how, how do you take such complex technical things and help explain that to people? Because it, it, it's definitely something that I, I find was, was very difficult to do. You hit the nail on the head there. I think the first thing I noticed when I entered the crypto landscape from the traditional asset management world was a real gap between crypto 101 level education. I think Gemini does the best job there. Um, and then quant heavy analyses. So you get really computer science, like very fast. Um, and I think both of those types of content have an important role in um, increasing adoption of crypto. What I saw as an opportunity for me at Galaxy Fund Management to capture was that middle ground of, you want to go a bit deeper than, you know, what is a blockchain, but you don't necessarily want to get into all of the technicalities of how it functions. Um, and for me, with my target of financial advisors, I knew that what I was going to be doing was empowering them to have the right conversation with their clients. So you have to communicate to them and help them communicate to you, to their clients clearly. For me in the crypto space, I think contextualizing it in concepts that they understand and helping to provide analogies that they can use with their clients were the two most important things for me. So I'll take Bitcoin as an example. From an analogy perspective, it's easy to think about Bitcoin as a digital gold and maybe not everyone agrees with that. And certainly there are nuances that um, that doesn't capture, but you can think about it like the internet's gold or turbocharged gold. So the way you might think about investing in gold is the way you can think about investing in Bitcoin. And then to, to make it a little bit more quant based, you can apply some of the same portfolio tools to Bitcoin that you would use in regular asset analyses. So modern portfolio theory is something you can actually apply to Bitcoin. And that's a language that advisors speak. And then that helps them understand, okay, how do I actually size this in the portfolio? How do I understand this with other assets? So it was really about providing the right analogies for client conversations, and then rooting it in concepts that they already understood and, and making it clear that Bitcoin had a space alongside traditional assets in the portfolio. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I always think of like, Uber for X. And I, I say that because people are so used to, and I, I don't know what the term exactly is, but like these comparisons, they, they get things that they understand. So when you talk about modern um, financial theories or things that apply to a, a, a modern financial portfolio, they get that. But then if you talk about like mining, in just the context of mining, they won't understand that because it doesn't relate to anything that they, they're doing in their current role. So it's, it's a good point. And I think that's so powerful, the, the power of metaphors in marketing and helping people use those metaphors in order to, um, you know, get to the next level and, 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 and do that. But, um, you know, I, I think that's also another uh, good, good transition into, can, can you talk about, um, you know, we, we've talked a bit about 
some of the ways you're you're marketing um, this to financial advisors. But how do you guys think about strategy? You know, like I, I, on your LinkedIn, when I was doing research, you know, you talk about you do owned and and, and paid channels, um, but but like at a even higher level than that, you know, where where do you guys go? Okay, this is where our audience lives. Like this is how we're going to target them. You know, how, how do you think about that strategy? Sure. So first, in terms of what we're putting out into the world, our content strategy was really education first. So knowing that there was a lot of catch up advisors, especially had to do on this space. And interestingly, this space has really been driven by end clients asking questions of advisors. So we had data on how many advisors were um, being asked questions about crypto and then how ill-prepared they felt to answer those questions. So that gap is what I really wanted to address from a content strategy perspective. And in terms of finding them where they are, um, luckily I had a lot of experience in this um, from my days at JP Morgan Asset Management, but I wanted to make sure that where I was finding them was a lot more cost efficient, no wastage. Um, in a startup environment, you don't have the budgets that you're working with at JP Morgan. So I took what I saw as the most cost effective, no fail tactics. And that's what I started with knowing that number one, I'm testing and learning into a new category, albeit with the, with the audience I know. But number two, I'm still making the case to my internal stakeholders that investing in paid media is something worthwhile to do. Um, so that was really how I started out, um, really emphasizing the focus of education first before we're talking about products. And I think that's hard to do when you're starting a new business and you've just launched a Bitcoin fund and you're really eager to get that AUM in the door. Um, with, some, with some of your segments, you're playing a longer game. So I think I really focused on first getting our own channels in order. Um, they say, you know, plug your funnel before you start pouring water into it. Uh, although with startup life, it really is building the plane as you go. So a lot, of, a lot of the setting up the owned infrastructure happened at the same time as we were starting to test paid media tactics. Yeah, and I, I've heard of like a similar metaphor. I don't know where it came from, but it's like test, test with organic scale, scale with paid. I don't know if, if if that's a. I maybe stole it, or maybe I came up with it. I don't know. I'm highly doubtful of that, but but I, I heard it somewhere. I feel like, but um, yeah. So you know, it's 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 interesting. Um, in terms of you know, you're talking about owned and 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 paid, and I think what um. Is so hard is is that education funnel that you're talking about because because it's so weird like especially for folks not in marketing how, how do you talk to them how do you talk to you know people you work with where it's like well we don't necessarily want to sell people like like because because you're talking about sales but you're not talking about sales right it's it's like we need to explain to them what this is first before we even talk to them about like getting them through the door as a customer and like if i'm not in marketing I like maybe don't understand that. Like how, how do you sell that to folks where it's like, we can't just go in for like, here's the call to action. Like you should go, you know, bring some of your, your clients assets over to us to invest in crypto. Like how do you talk to people you work with and explain that concept to them? Because I assume most of the people you work with already bought in on crypto. They already are like, Bitcoin's going to the moon. 
you know, Ethereum's going to the moon. But, and they, I feel like some of them don't even understand, well, how do you not get this? <laughs> so you're like explaining like, well, we have to educate these people first. And it's like, what is there to educate on? They're going to get rich, right? Like, you know, how, how do you, how do you uh, bridge that? I think that's definitely new to this space because it's still early days. So the people who bought in mentally and literally a few years ago are really, um, have seen the light. And I think are assuming that a lot of the amazing properties of Bitcoin, for example, are so self-explanatory. But uh, I think the number one thing in approaching those conversations, especially with non-marketers, is to have data. So when we're talking about my financial advisor segment, the first thing I did was to quickly acquire data on their perceptions of the asset class, if they even cared, if this was even on their radar, which is the first question. Um, but I think the data so clearly showed that for those who were aware, they weren't necessarily um, anywhere close to be to being evaluating products, which is actually, in my mind, a good thing because I think the brand that can come in and be that trusted partner from day one is the brand that wins that affinity for the long term. Um, so number one, coming with data, and then number two, uh, I would say again using analogies. Um, and I actually, I use a lot of dating analogies, which might not be the best one, but I would say things like, you know, you're in a bar and you see, you know, a beautiful woman. Are you just going to go up and ask her to marry you? And I, I figured out that in, in crypto and in finance, you've got a lot of bold types. Those analogies fell a little flat because you've got a lot of guys who do just go for what they want. Um, so that that analogy didn't work, but the data the data was a lot more helpful. And I think when you come armed with data, um, and you're really attempting to take a holistic look at it, and not necessarily have an angle, but you come to a conclusion that's undeniable. Um, I think especially finance quant types uh, can't fight that. Yeah, that's a, a great point of sort of overwhelming people with the data, <laughs> and 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 telling telling uh, stories with. Um, data. You know, one thing you didn't talk about, and I'm, I would just be curious to explore this a bit, is like the earn side of things. You know, obviously, it's interesting because crypto itself already gets a lot of like earned media. So do you, you know, try to plan that channel? Do you guys just don't play in it because like you just benefit from the general attention that, um, you know, the crypto space is getting, you know, how, how do you, how do you all think about that channel? Certainly right now, and it's just a fortunate time to be in crypto. There are so many um, tailwinds that we're seeing from news stories about the space in general, about the price momentum, about huge players like Paul Tudor Jones entering the Bitcoin space um, from, from an earned perspective for us, we've really been focused on, portraying Galaxy as an institutional quality partner to help bridge the gap between the true crypto world and these big institutions or financial advisors who are starting to look at it at the same time. Um, so I think that we really do benefit from everything that's happening organically in that space. Um, what we do is we focus a lot of our press, um, press efforts on big moments, tentpole moments, like fund launches. Um, so we had a lot of nice press around our Bitcoin funds launch. I think that 
that's an interesting story for reporters because it just shows real companies, public companies are taking swings in this space and are further institutionalizing this space. And this is no longer an internet revolution. Um, so I think for us, it's been nice just to, to be buoyed by everything organically happening. Um, we certainly do approach our fund launches with more of an earned lens. Um, but again, it's, it's nice, I think, with paid and owned, especially owned, where you control the narrative. Um, and I think in crypto, there's a lot of murky narratives that still persist in the press. Um, and you see that on crypto Twitter, a lot of a lot of frustration with how especially Bitcoin is being portrayed. Um, so I think that's why it's also nice to make sure that the educational content you have on your channels, um, SEO enabled, hopefully that's what people are finding when they're really ready to dig deeper on the asset. Yeah, so um, I, I guess as a, a follow up um, to that question that, that I have, is we I, I feel like so much of the crypto space is in individuals, right? So, you know, Novogratz who, who, or, or Mike Novogratz, I'm, I'm so used to calling him Novogratz, but Mike Novogratz, who is the uh, the CEO of Galaxy, is obviously a, um, a, a big personality, um, which, which I won't ask you to comment on, don't worry. And um, one of the um, positives probably of that is that he attracts a lot of attention, you know, on Twitter and in the media and stuff. Um, but how do you all think, you know, as a company, is, is that part of your strategy is like this, we'll call it employer branding. And, and maybe it is just, you know, Mr. Novogratz where, where he's doing that. But do you find others in um, your company are also like driving sales driving traffic through their 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 social media you know is that something you encourage at galaxy is that just an accidental thing how, how is that thought about i think the companies that do do that are incredibly smart to do so and i think one of the best examples that i've seen of that is lolly um, and i know you've had them on this podcast and they're very active on twitter and i think they do a beautiful job of really reinforcing um obviously just amplifying the product, but also reinforcing the mission and, and what they've set out to do. Um, I think certainly Mike and his Twitter presence is a very strong amplifier for us. Um, and I think it, it, it's important that people remember that Mike is an expert macro trader. So he really brings that credibility of the fundamental analysis. He's not, you know, like, like some crypto celebrities on Twitter um, who are newer to the game. He's been in finance for decades. And I, I think it's great that he brings both that, that credibility, but also the personality that makes people listen. Um, elsewhere in the firm, we do have some folks doing medium blog posts or posts on LinkedIn. Um, but I would say that um, it's definitely something that companies in general can tap more into is the power of their of their employees' personal brands and networks. Um, and I think that's that's where startups in general, I think, are really well positioned against big traditional companies um, who tend to see personal brand as a liability. And I think that's an outdated thought. 
Um, and it's probably one that will change pretty soon, even at those larger firms. Yeah, and I feel like that's especially in the financial sector. Yeah, I had Aubrey on from Lolly, um, who, you know, she does a good job of, on a personal level, building her, her personal brand. But, you know, at a lot of these traditional asset management firms or traditional financial services firms, um, and I know you used to work at JP Morgan, I know that it is not just frowned upon, it's like explicitly said, you know, when you sign up uh, as an employee, there are certain rules you have to follow. And um, I think that, yeah, it's definitely detrimental because, um, you know, so many companies, and I just, like the obvious choice in my mind is, is Morning Brew on Twitter does a really good job of, of creating this personal branding, employee branding uh, through Twitter. But, but I think that's something that the financial services and, and fintech uh, industry could benefit from. So hopefully that's something that, that changes in the space. But, um, you know, as we begin to wrap things up, um, the question I always uh, end on is, you know, you joined Galaxy in um, October of 2019. What is one, you know, takeaway lesson that you would impart uh, upon the listeners um, for, for them to know to, to maybe apply in their career? I would say my number one learning has been um, reporting to non-marketers for the first time, understanding how to clearly communicate um, what needs to be done, what tactics do what, um, really bringing it to a non-jargony, non-acronym um, type of communication has been helpful. And I think I spent my career at JP Morgan working alongside and under super smart marketing minds where you just speak the language together. And I think you take that for granted a bit when you strike out on your own. I was Galaxy's first marketing hire. Um, so I think that you risk losing people if you start, you know, jumping right into concepts that for you are quite basic, but for a non-marketer um, are something they need a bit more context on. And then I think back to Back to the data measurement point, um, I think I would have gotten more detailed baseline data um, to, to help make the case for the things I needed to do. Ultimately, was able to do that and retroactively pull things together. Um, but as we mentioned, data is really your armor as a marketer, and that um, I think should be your first priority when you get into a new role, really assessing and quantifying the landscape that you're in. Um, and then finally, on a more personal note, of course, we were just talking about Twitter. I regret not joining Twitter sooner. Um, I only joined six months ago. And I, you know, having been at JP Morgan, where we weren't allowed to have any kind of public social media accounts, um, I suppose that was drilled into me. But specifically, the crypto marketing community has been one of the biggest pluses um, of my online life last year. I've just met so many interesting people in my space. It's a really energizing and positive community. And um, I, I'm sourcing hires as I grow my team from Twitter. I mean, it's functionally important to me now. So I recommend anyone listening who's not on Twitter and who can be, get on Twitter and find your people um, there are lots, lots of interesting conversations to take part in. Yeah, and we, we've met through Twitter as just proof of, you know, the power of Twitter. 
um, wouldn't be interviewing Victoria if it wasn't for Twitter. So thank you, uh, Twitter. But, um, you know, as we conclude, um, obviously I'll, I'll put your, your social, uh, links in the show notes, but for those who are listening, who don't want to look at the show notes, you know, can you just share, um, where people can find you on social media? Sure. So you can find me on Twitter at Vic underscore waters. That's W-A-T-T-E-R-S. Um, you can find Galaxy Fund Management on LinkedIn and at galaxyfundmanagement.com. And you can find my dadfluencer on TikTok at your.internet.dad. He would love new followers. It's going to his head already. So let's keep that going. Got it. Love it. Love it. But um, Victoria, thanks again for, for joining and for everyone listening. Until next time. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider giving us five stars on iTunes. If you're listening to us on YouTube, consider hitting the like button and commenting on what you enjoyed. I'd really appreciate it.